Welcome back to Dirty Chai Chats, a podcast all about sexual health, love, and relationships at Tufts. My name is Flo, and for the first episode of our summer season, and my final episode on Dirty Chai Chats as a co-host, I'm so excited to be sharing with you all a really lovely conversation that sex health rep Nikki Peters and I had back in April with Justine Ang Fonte, an internationally recognized intersectional sex health educator, speaker, and consultant. Of her many endeavors and accomplishments, she's also the creator of an Instagram account called Good.Buys, in which she writes and posts scripts for how to respectfully set boundaries within relationships whether that be in your dating life, or family, or friends, or co-workers. In this episode, you'll hear Justine talk about the evolution of this account, trends she's seen around boundary setting in the digital age, and go through a really useful example of what someone might say and do when they're caught in a tricky dating situation on a college campus. So while you're listening, definitely be sure to follow Justine's work on Instagram. She has an account, I'm Justine AF, and there's no punctuation there. And the account I mentioned before, which is underscore good dot buys with another underscore at the end. We're so lucky to have been able to speak with Justine, and I just hope you enjoy the conversation as much as we had recording it. So without further ado, here is the episode. Well, again, Justine, we are so grateful for your time. Um, you are someone that I've really looked up to just on social media. I've been following you for a while and the work you've been doing around intersectional health education. So we're just really happy to spend these 30 minutes with you today. Thanks, Flo. Thanks, Nikki. I guess just to start off, beyond the incredible work you've been doing around sex education, um, I know that during the pandemic, you started a freelance breakup ghostwriting account, which is so cool. Um, I know that I've personally used it in my own life and it's something that just feels really revolutionary, especially for our generation. I guess just to start off, we'd love to hear about what your thoughts are on any trends that you've seen recently around boundary setting, particularly in the digital age, and perhaps how this inspired the creation or evolution of your account. Well, one trend that I'm noticing with a lot of requests is that people want to break up with their friends. The account wasn't started for that reason. It was started on, you know, how to end dates or, you know, end dating um, chapters that you're in. Um, And it evolved into helping people set boundaries across all sorts of, you know, their life. And so far, the most requested one I've been getting are requests on various ways to break up with a friend, someone they've known since childhood, or they um, have, you know, they met five years ago, or they just met and don't want to continue with a relationship with them. And there's something I think harder about friends than with someone you're dating, because there might be mutual friends involved. It seems like, you know, if it's someone you don't want to hang out with and you just don't hang out with them, but why do you have to fully reject someone from just being a friend or you have a longstanding history with them and, you know, it's just really fizzled out. You've gone different paths um, and you just don't know how to say to brunch, say no to brunch, but it seems like something so innocuous, but then it's um, 
brunch where you should say yes, like you have to eat anyway. So what is your excuse? You must really abhor this person if you don't even want to have brunch with them. So it's um it's been interesting to see a lot of requests centered on ending friendships when it was really started to help people end relationships or short, short term, you know, dating experiences. So I think the trend has just been that People are recognizing that ghosting hurts, it sucks. And the only time that it should happen is if you really feel um, unsafe by reconnecting with that person. But I think there are so many issues around why we don't feel comfortable enough setting boundaries. And, you know, when you said this was like a revolutionary thing, flow, it shouldn't be. We should just be able to say, no, I don't want to go to brunch and that not be a big deal. But people take such offense to rejection because we don't get used to it. Um, We aren't we see it as a failure as opposed to someone setting a boundary. And it doesn't mean that they're rejecting you entirely. It just means they're saying no to brunch right then and there for that time. And people feel guilty. They feel obligated. I mean, all the same reasons that when we talk about consent education, you know, people struggle to say, what they really feel because they're afraid of how the other person's going to take it. And I think it's time. It's been long past due where we start really prioritizing what we really need and we honor what people really need for themselves, even if it could be inconvenient to us. Absolutely. It should not be revolutionary. (laughs) I think people just need to practice, you know, like how to say these words and how to receive them. And I think that's what makes your account so incredible is that you're giving people the language to really say how they feel. And I guess, yeah, kind of along similar lines, um, do you have any like exercises or advice for how to receive rejection? Your account is really great because you're teaching people how to give it, but I guess personally something is like how to respond to that in a way that feels respectful to them and respectful to yourself. Yeah, Uh, I've been starting to get some requests from people about, you know, how do I respond to somebody's boundary that is done so in a way that is also compassionate? And I think it, it really depends. I think the context is that if this person never wants to speak to you again, then don't reply right? They've already said like, they don't want to hear from you. And they're telling you that, you know, you have to honor that space. So if that's the situation, don't respond. Even if it was something like, oh, I understand. They don't want to hear from you anymore. Or it might be you really wanting feedback. The point is when somebody sets their boundary, it's not about you Mm. anymore. It's about honoring their boundary. So if they're saying, I don't want to go to brunch, You could ask, why don't you want to go to brunch? Or you could just say, okay, cool. Like we need to be able to say that no is an okay answer. Hey, do you want to go to brunch? No is an okay answer. So that people don't feel obligated or guilty to say um, no, because you just told me it's okay. And if you really genuinely mean that, there is no need for a follow-up. Now, if it was kind of like, hey, it was really hurtful what you said the other day, and I just want you to know that that's not something I want us to be talking about because it's really triggering, whatever it is, right? That means like this person still wants you in their life and they're giving you feedback. So yeah, that merits a response. Thank you so much for telling me that. I didn't know that that's how you received it. I know now going forward, you know, that's something that I need to avoid bringing up or be more careful about you know, how I phrase things, whatever it is. And I think it's really acknowledgement. The reason this account started is because 
people have a tendency to ghost instead of responding and acknowledging. So if it deserves an acknowledgement, like, hey, I want to give you this feedback and I still want to hang out with you or be your friend or whatever, or I'm still going to see you because you're family. Yeah, you should respond with some acknowledgement. Like, I hear you. I understand. And that's it. I really hate when people respond saying, oh, but that's not my intention. Your intention does not equal impact. And, you know, it's like, oh, oh, all of a sudden now it's better because you didn't intend to do that. Right. No, it's not. It's more like, ah, I didn't realize that that's how you received it. Or it's helpful to me that you're telling me how you received it. And now I knew something going forward. So I think it's about taking responsibility and ownership and acknowledging and not gaslighting someone's feelings or like you're too sensitive, right? Or like, this isn't a big deal or why are you bringing this up? But really just acknowledging it in a way where like, I hear you, thank you, received. Mm, Yes, definitely. I think the act of listening is just something that people are so out of practice doing, like truly, truly listening. Always thinking about how to respond as opposed to just listening. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that leads kind of nicely into a scenario that we wanted to um, go through with you. So there's definitely a lot of miscommunication college campuses, particularly when it comes to dating apps. College campuses are such an interesting and particular space because you're seeing people all the time, right? Like these are people you go to class with. These are people you live with. These are people you date and you're all in one mile radius and you're learning together too. Um, Mm -hmm. So that creates a really interesting environment where I think ghosting has a different, I don't know, different flavor. Um, So Nikki, um, if you want, you can talk through the scenario and Justine, if you have any thoughts for how we could potentially respond to this person in this particular. Um, Before I go through the scenario, I just want to say that everything that you've been saying so far has been really, really resonating with me because I think especially in these scenarios, like it's both hard and you have to kind of train yourself to be a good active listener, but also when people are kind of pushing against your boundaries, I think especially in these kind of very fluid situations, it can be really hard to kind of you know, just respect that like no can be an answer both for yourself when you're giving that and when you're receiving that. So um, I think that's really, really important to keep in mind. But that being said, going into our scenario here, I meet someone on a dating app. This is someone that I've seen around campus and sit next to in class last semester. We go on a handful of dates, but I realize that it's not going to work out because I've overcommitted to certain extracurriculars and I don't have time in my schedule. I may have misled them to think that I'm more available than I actually am. We have several mutual friends and we see each other at social engagements very often. Do you have any tips or a respectful way to tell them that you need space, keeping in mind that this is someone that you're going to be keeping in contact with throughout the rest of the semester, maybe college? Okay. So I have some follow-ups before I provide uh, my answer. What is the exact boundary this person wants to make? Do they want to hook up with this person, but not be in a relationship with them? Do they want no contact at all with them, but in a cordial way when they happen to run into each other? Do they have hard feelings when it comes to this person? Or is it just like, I'm so busy, you're great, but not great enough for me to sacrifice the things that I need to focus on right now? Um, I think it's more like the latter, that they are just so busy and overcommitted. It has nothing to do with the person or any 
I guess, boundary that they transgressed, but rather that I thought that I was more available than I actually am. And I don't want to hurt this person's feelings. I'm just saying that I really don't have time to commit to something like this. Okay. So it's been relayed that the other person has taken an interest to want to date them or, okay. Um, So what I would say is a lot about the last part in what you explained. You're including in whatever particular order feels right. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to mislead you. I am afraid I may have already done so with the four times we hung out that were truly wonderful, but I did meet you at a time when I have X, Y, and Z projects, events, internship, job, and I know you deserve someone who can be more present. I trust that when we see each other around campus or at so-and-so's parties, things are civil and I'm happy to connect with you, uh, you know, in, in those spaces, but I can't commit to anything beyond that. <laughs> I think like the ones that feel hard say that, say that it's hard. Hey, this is kind of awkward to say, but blah, blah, blah. I've been thinking a lot about how I want to say this to you. So here it is. Uh, you know, yesterday uh, made me think a lot about, you know, what was really important or, you know, whatever it is, like, tell them like what that feeling is. It humanizes the experience and it sets the person up who's reading this or hearing this be told to them verbally. Like that's basically giving them their content warning. Something is serious here that has been that someone has invested some emotional labor into, but wants to power through that tension because they find that this is important enough to communicate to me. So like, oh, wait, let me take both my earphones off so I can make sure I'm really listening to you, right? Oh, let me stop eating right now so I can make sure I'm fully present. So it gives them that like, get ready. Something is gonna come up that you might not expect. And then it allows that person to also warm up just saying or, you know, writing aloud by just saying like, Hey, this thing is coming up, prepare yourself. Um, so I think it's, it's beneficial for all parties involved with that intro. Definitely. I like what you said about like setting the scene kind of yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. It took me, it took me so long to write this cause it does. And like, people always pretend that it, they don't draft their texts. I know personally, my <laughs> notes app is text. Yeah. To- Mm-hmm. that I send to my friends to proofread before I send mm-hmm. to my significant other. Yeah. And like, I also like what you said about gratitude and just being very gracious because it's true. Like you are grateful for that time. And um, I think this whole idea of like, oh, it's not you, it's me. Like people think that in and of itself is bad, yeah. but like, that's a very true and real feeling. Yeah. So many people have like, let's normalize that. Like it really isn't you, it is me. Right. Um, and there's so much like, I don't know. People just don't think that that's um, like a valid way to express how you feel. But yeah. I love the way that you phrased it. And that was just so clear. Thank you. Cool. Because I just made it up on the spot. I'm <laughs> always I'm always better when I'm typing it out because then I can draft it and delete and make it a little bit, you know, tied up and neat. But this one was like, all right, I don't know what I'm going to say right now, but we're just going <laughs> to see what it sounds like when I say it out loud. Mm-hmm. No, I think that that's really like a wonderful way to kind of incorporate everything you want to say and hopefully take like the other party's feelings into account. I guess just like a a sort of follow up. I've definitely looked through and I've definitely used a lot of the outlines that you have on your Instagram account when I'm communicating. 
my boundaries to people in my own life because that's something that you know I'm trying to work on personally. But in this situation, when we're communicating with people that we see in person on campus, do you think that it's in some way better to have these kinds of conversations in person if you know that you're you're going to see this person in person? Or do you think it's like still acceptable to like send a text or send a message instead? I think it depends. Uh, I think it depends. Just because you see them, it doesn't mean that you're close to them. You know, it could be an acquaintance that you see all the time or you happen to have some classes with, right? Or it could be someone that um, you've known and you also see them. I think it's always better unless it's unsafe to do things verbally and in person. And that's not always accessible for everybody. And having the other mediums make it so that you can still actually communicate to someone and also makes it so that if things seem too heavy and hard, then you have this as an alternative to still, again, get a message across. Mm -hmm. I do think there are times that are poor to resort to text when they really should be done in person or at least over a live phone call FaceTime. So I think it really just depends. I hope that it's not taken too literally that just because it's in a text format on my account, that the some of the heavy stuff that I write about should be done over a text message medium. It's more of like, I just want to give people language scripts so that when they speak to their partner, they already have like a template based on what the text is that I, you know, put together. I think it's always better when you can do in person, but some people don't deserve that. Um, others don't have access to that or some things are too difficult that having a bit of a barrier could be helpful for them while still communicating versus ghosting. So it depends, Nikki, is the bottom line. Yeah. I'm also curious, so kind of along the lines of knowing how and when to go about talking to someone in real life to have a hard conversation, um, have you received any requests for scripts that have to do with setting up that conversation for an in-person hard conversation? Because mm. I know a lot of people will be like, hey, can we talk? And they want to have a breakup with someone and that yeah. person so caught off guard and shocked. How can we prepare people better who are very important to us in our lives for hard mm -hmm. conversations? Yeah, I feel like there was maybe two tops scripts that I wrote that weren't about the full boundary being set, but a preparation for wanting to communicate the boundary. So it ended with something like, maybe when you come over this weekend, we can talk about it. Or let me know when a good time is that we can FaceTime to unpack this. So it was, it ended with like a, you have agency also at hearing this thing that has been building up or that I've been thinking about, but it gives them a little sneak preview that you want to sit down and have a conversation with them that could be difficult or sensitive. So it might have given them something like, hey, Flo, this thing has been on my mind for a bit. You know, something you said over the weekend um, really got me thinking about our dynamic and how it might be better. Do you have time this Friday, maybe over lunch to talk about it at the dining hall? So, you know, it's kind of something, whatever you said from last week. But you don't know exactly what it is, but it's enough, something big enough that Justine wants an in-person meeting and has been thinking about it for quite some time. So then you're preparing mentally for that. 
but you don't know exactly what the boundary is that, you know, I want to set. Is it Justine doesn't want to be friends with me anymore? She needs space. She needs an apology. She needs just to communicate that she was how she was feeling and she needs a sounding board. I don't know, but I know that there's a sensitive conversation coming up on Friday. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is definitely possible where your text message is just the sneak preview Mm. to preface and set the scene for maybe a couple of days later for in-person. Because you're also giving them, um, you're respecting their own boundaries by saying, hey, something's about to happen. Let's collaborate on figuring out how we can both discuss this, where we both feel safe and able to hear and really listen to each other. Because if you just try to do this conversation when they're busy, they're preoccupied, they're cooking, they're doing laundry, you know, whatever, right? So even like when I give advice to parents about, uh, or to kids uh, to talk to their parents, don't just like, if you have something big you want to talk to your parents about, don't do it while they're fully distracted. You're not Mm going to get the best advice from them, right? So it might be like, hey, mom, um, I think I need some advice. Do we, can we we talk maybe after dinner later today? Or uh, maybe we can talk on the trip to the game, on the ride to the game. So there's like, already it's like, oh, what is it, right? You don't know, but you know that it's serious enough that you want to basically schedule into the calendar, really time set aside where can you not have your phone around when we have this conversation? So you're distracted. Like, I really need all of you to be attentive to whatever my ask is or my question. So it's a similar kind of thing. Yeah. Timing is so, so, so important. I know in my experience, I've caught people off guard and I feel like conversations have just totally, like people say things that they don't mean to say. And then you start fighting about things that are unrelated to the original topic. So I really like that. And there's a way to do it. That's, I think with the specific language you said, isn't scary or like, would make someone nervous. It's like, okay, this is something that's going to happen. We both know it. And we'll just go into it with the right headspace because we set ourselves up for that. Right, right. Yeah, I think that that's so important and so critical. And it seems so obvious, but a lot of times people are like, I want to have this conversation now. And then the other person's, you know, caught off guard and is is defensive. And it's a it's a normal response for things to right. kind of get carried away. I'm I was just going to say that, um, yeah, that whole defense thing, it's like, do you, if you force someone to have a conversation with you when they're not ready to receive it, you also don't benefit, right? I mean, it's like, again, this is so tied to how I teach consent education, where it's like, why are you settling for a maybe sure, I guess we can hook up versus, oh my God, let's fucking go, right? You're, it's already not even going to feel as good when that person's not really into it, but will anyway. So in the same sense, if I'm wanting to have like a important conversation and this person's like, I have to study for my test and like, I'm not going to be really there to be able to be the friend you need me to be. If you're giving me feedback, I'm not going to remember it. It's not, there's not going to be retention. I might immediately go to, you know, defensiveness as opposed to really listening. And it has all to do because of you're coming to me when I'm about to take an exam, right? Or I'm fully distracted by something else. So no one benefits, even though you might want to, it might be best for you to wait until they are actually able to be fully attentive. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important. I'm definitely going to keep thinking about that, you know, as I navigate my own relationships. But one thing I wanted to ask is, 
you know, as I've been, you know, looking over your social media and your website, one of the first things that stuck out to me is how like intersectionality is really a focus of every part of your practice. And on campus, I am a sex health representative. I'm part of a group of peer educators that try and bring, you know, education on consent and pleasure and relationships to students on the campus. And um, I was really wondering, like, what are some ways that we as college sex health educators can be mindful and incorporate intersectionality into kind of every aspect of our own practice from your experience? Yeah, I think, um, well, thank you for doing the good work. (laughs) Really appreciate that, Nikki. It's important. And I'm glad that, you know, you're doing this in college because, I mean, there really never is a time that's too early to be teaching about pleasure. And I think it's um, sad that the word pleasure has been attached to the taboo that is sexuality when I'm talking about recognizing you are deserving of kindness and joy and pleasure. And so if you don't even recognize you are deserving of pleasure, you're definitely not going to assert your boundaries when there is no pleasure present or you foresee it's, you know, not going to provide you with pleasure. And there is a very specific set of groups of people who don't feel they are deserving of pleasure because of an identity that has told them your identity in that body is worth less than somebody else's body with a different identity that is more superior. So, you know, you'll have the most marginalized groups that just think, I just got to suck it up. This is just the way it is. I'm expected to do this. Um, I'm obligated to do this. So I'm definitely not going to assert what I actually know I'm deserving of. And you can think about the number, like whatever the context is or the job or the task, right? Or the situation, the people who feel most silenced. So pleasure is it's not an impossibility, but it doesn't feel like it's something attainable because we are in a world that is patriarchal, that is capitalist, and that is white supremacist. So if you don't fit their definitions Uh, under each of those three aspects, then why would you even waste your energy trying to claim pleasure or demand it? That won't help you. And it feels like it won't help you to survive in this world. So you just suck it up. And then you get used to and conditioned to the fact that that is what you're deserving of, but nothing more. So I think like that conversation doesn't get talked enough about, especially in college campuses, but even with like our elementary children. So, I mean, now when they're in college, now that's 22 years worth of being socialized to believe that because of this identity I carry, whether it be my gender, my age, my ethnicity, where I come from, my body size, my neurodivergence, I shouldn't be experiencing pleasure. So I just go through the motions if it comes to like, let's say we're talking about intercourse, even if it's not something that actually provides me with any pleasure. But who am I to say or who am I to be the person to say, no, I like it this way or this instead or not right now or whatever. And so we're basically making people vulnerable to these situations. And then we're not training and teaching other people to look out for how they might be creating a dynamic that prohibits the other person from feeling safe enough to say no, or to say something else, or to say, here's what I would like instead. Pleasure and entitlement doesn't get talked enough about, but no means no, and yes means yes does. And it's not 
that simple. It can be that simple if we have been able to understand intersectional identities a lot more and how that connects with boundary setting and pleasure giving and receiving. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that. I definitely something that we've tried to make like the center of our practice is pleasure and trying to bring this to all these different groups and see what it looks like for different people. But it is so connected to consent and boundary setting. And, you know, we talk a lot about choice and kind of, I think, every aspect of education. But I think something we we all should focus on or think about a lot is how those kinds of choices can be constrained, I guess, by by outside factors and and what people have learned. So thank you so much for that answer. It definitely kind of connects a lot of different pieces for me as an educator too. Yeah, there was a, a tweet that I put out. Uh, I felt so eloquent that day and I was like, I'm going to tweet this. And it was um, the first step to experiencing pleasure is recognizing that you deserve it. And it sounds simple. Again, it, it sounds like, but it's so revolutionary because of who you are, right? But this is that's every day for a white cishet man. <laughs> because so therefore they feel entitled to that. And so then they feel threatened when there's any ounce of discomfort of not having pleasure present. Whoa, something's wrong. And that this is why, you know, that male fragility is so strong because they have always been entitled to that pleasure. And that is not something most other people are afforded. So we just suck it up, you know, tell somebody, no, that's really how, you know, their care, what their character is. And white cishet men hate being told, no, they're not used to it. And we feed that monster by continuing to say yes, when we don't actually want to for all aspects outside of sex too. Right. So, I mean, just understand that we also are deserving of pleasure and we need to understand when somebody is setting a boundary because they're not experiencing it or actually ask the questions, how can I provide you with pleasure? Because I actually genuinely care about it, but you know, that's not the, that's not the type of world that we um, raise our children in. Mm. I mean, and I'm just thinking of like my own sex education that I received in school And I feel like everything that you're saying are things that I wish my younger self could have heard. Because especially when you grow up in a family and a culture where things aren't talked about, like where, where do you turn to? And you turn to the internet and what's on the internet, things that like, who knows what you could find there. Um, And it's just really incredible that these things are finally being talked about a little bit. Um, And yeah, it makes me emotional to like, hear you say these things. Cause like to have someone who like, looks like you be able to tell you things about that are so personal and like so sensitive is so important. I remember like my sex health education class in middle school was taught by a 50 year old white gym teacher. And I was like, there is no way I'm asking this man any questions about my body. So yeah, we just need more POC in these spaces because it just really is so, so impactful and so meaningful. Agreed. Well, Thank you so much, Justine. I know that we're reaching our time, but this was such an awesome conversation. I love talking to you. <laughs> I'm glad that, uh, you know, you felt this was like productive and constructive. I, I, I think it's wonderful that college students are starting to think about these things in this way, because even though smart things were coming out of my mouth, I'm still dealing with also recognizing, wait a minute, I'm deserving a pleasure. Why did I just 
agree to that? Why didn't I assert myself? You know, mm-hmm. and as a 36 year old, it's something that who teaches this. I don't always practice what I preach because it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. And I have more years than you do on being conditioned in that way to think more about survival versus how do I thrive? Um, and how can I really enjoy the world that I'm in and the people that I surround myself with. So I'm just encouraged when I see young people having these conversations so that they are sooner to get to the place where they are experiencing pleasure and knowing that they deserve it. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been just like I'm eye-opening for me, I guess, too. It's really great to hear these things be talked about. And even though like I mean, every time you say something, I'm like, wow, like I should have thought about that. Like it, it just, like seems so simple to connect the two together, but it really is important. And I think like people on our campus really need to hear about not only just like being able to feel worthy of pleasure, but also be worthy and feel safe enough to be able to set their own boundaries and also reinforce them. I think that that's so, so, so critical. So thank you so much for, for all of your words talking about that. Yeah, thanks for sharing your platform with me. Thank you so much for listening in to this very special episode of Dirty Chai Chats. For our newer listeners, Gio and I started this podcast back in 2020. I just graduated and am now passing off the reins to the rest of the team, but I can't wait to see how this podcast grows over the next few years. I also wanted to say thank you to all of our listeners and Justine and Gio and the rest of the sex health reps for welcoming me into this community and doing the incredible work that they do on campus. So be sure to stay up to date with this podcast. They will be releasing more episodes and I have no doubt that they're going to be amazing.